class today, and she is one of my personal heroes of faith, so I'm very grateful to have her. Um, we were actually we were talking over milkshakes on Tuesday, and we think that she may have been the one who introduced me to Jesus. Neither of us can specifically remember it, but we both feel like that's probably right. <laughs> Just to give you an idea of our relationship, I don't think there is a single day in my 30-something years um, that she hasn't prayed for me. Um, yeah, and she is just an amazing, amazing gift. So, yeah, I expected that she is here today. She actually lives in PE. Um, yeah, so that is God's kindness to me. <coughs> we are in a series in the Sermon on the Mount, and um, I think this is message seven. Um, the last one that we did was about anger. Um, and it's just, it's such a beautiful, extended passage that is just the words of Jesus. Um, and just in, in studying the part of Matthew 5 that I'm going to read, I've just been amazed at how it's come alive as the words of Jesus and not as the rules of a religion. Um, and so I just want to set the stage with that and say, um, hear this with the heart of Jesus. Um, not with the checkbox um, and not with the to-do list but um, coming from the words that Jesus spoke when he lived on earth. Um, I'm going to read Matthew 5, 27 to 32. Um, our, I don't know if it's our motto or our mission statement, but as a church, um, we talk about the fact that we are stepping into the way of Jesus. Um, and, and for the sake of Cape Town, and, and Matthew 5 is just giving us um, yeah, just a, a, a double click, as they say, um, into the ways of Jesus. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It's really light content today. Um, it has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you, anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So if, um, if you're reading your Bible and it has kind of headings on the different paragraphs, um, the heading in my Bible on this section is lust and divorce. In the beginning it felt a little bit like I was going to be giving a high school sex ed class with my husband and my grandmother in the room. So if you're sitting your kids or your parents and it feels a little bit awkward that like all these awkward words might come up, I feel like too. Um, and we're going to talk about it. Um, I'm actually going to, I'm going to jump to what I thought would be the end. But I, I actually just want to declare that what the Spirit is doing this morning is he, he's come to free us of shame. Okay, so we're going to talk about sexual temptation, we're going to talk about immorality, and 
might say masturbation a couple of times. Whoa. Okay? I might. I know one's down. And what the Spirit wants to do in our hearts is remind us of what Jesus has done. And He wants to take that shame. And I, I want to say that now so that as I speak, if you feel it creeping into your heart, if you feel like, hmm, this is, this is not cool, don't, don't let the shame stay. Jesus wants to take it. Okay, He is enough for that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read um, a passage now from 1 Corinthians. I'm going to read it in the message, um, which is not always the most literal translation, but sometimes it can give us a helpful just kind of understanding. Um, because I feel like there's going to be a lot of us here who have grown up. Um, if you have had history in the church, you probably have been influenced by some of purity culture, a lot of which has been really unhelpful and doesn't reflect who Jesus is. Um, yeah, Nikki, this is a bit towards the end, sorry. Um, I'm going to read the passage from 1 Corinthians 6. And the reason that I want to bring this in is because sometimes it feels like Jesus came to save us from all these other sins. But, oh, sexual sin, I don't really know if you can bring that one out. And so 1 Corinthians 6, it says, There is so much more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. As written in scripture, the two become one. Since we want to become one with the Master, who is the Father, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, which leaves us more lonely than ever. The kind of sex that can never become one, again, with the Father. There is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. Because in sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. These bodies that were made for God-given and God-modeled love for becoming one with one another. Don't you realize that your body is a sacred place? The place of the Holy Spirit. And so let people see God in and through your body. And so it's not something that Jesus can't deal with. But it's also not something that he can just overlook. I was preparing last night and I was listening to my kids play slash fight in the other room. Um, and it's kind of an ear that you develop as a parent for like the different levels of panic that you can hear. And um, I can, you know, I can tell the difference between like he smashed my tower down and he hit me in the head. And to me, it kind of feels like, you know, that's where the spirit is on this. He's saying, like, it's not, you know, it's not okay to smash the town up, but it's far worse if you're going to hit your brother in the head. Yeah. You know, it's not that that sexual sin is the unforgivable sin, or divorce is like the thing that Jesus just can't get past. But we're doing it against our own bodies that were made for communion with him.
our culture and in our society. Because the objectification of another person often leads to the oppression of another person. And unfortunately, the way that our culture has trained many of us is that women are often seen as objects. Um, Nick, if you can go to those photos. I'm going to share a little bit of my history with you. They're kind of blurry, so maybe you can get a little picture of what I looked like when I was a child. Uh, this one, I think I'm about seven. That cousin was born when I was six. And then I think that is just before I turned 10. Um, and I want to show you those because that is around the age that I first remember feeling objectified. It's when my body started to develop, it's when I started to kind of end my childhood and start my teen years, and it's when I remember starting to think about what I look like has something to do with other people, and it's going to affect the way that people treat me. It's going to affect the responses that I get from people around me, the way that I choose to present my physical body. And that's not okay. There's a really helpful distinction in the New Testament where they said, you know, being tempted is not sin, but giving into that temptation is where we start to hurt the heart of God. And I'm not saying that, you know, having it like brown something you up or keeping you really attractive is going to take us, as the, Matthew says, into the pit of hell. But it's when we start to say, actually, you know, maybe I just can't. Have a bit of eye candy. You know, maybe, maybe I will just watch that movie because it's fine, it's just a movie. It's only 16 rated. I'm a grown up. Um, but, but you know, the whole of this, this extended sermon on the mount is Jesus raising the bar for us. Yeah. You know, he refers to the mosaic law when he says, You have heard that it was said, or it has been said, yeah. You shall not commit adultery. He raises the bar and he says, Actually, my standard of purity is that you don't even look at someone lustfully. And I was talking to my husband about this passage the other night, and he is such a literal, like, straight down the line kind of person, which I'm not usually. And I said to him, like, what do you feel like this passage is talking about? He said, well, obviously, it's reminding us like, how much we need Jesus. I was like, okay, there you go. That's the sermon. Um, but it really is. You know, he's raising the bar, tearing preached about anger and how we actually need to rely on the Holy Spirit to help us to control our anger. And this is another thing that I feel like shame has stepped in and said, no, no, we can't talk to Jesus about this one. We can't. You've got to deal with this one alone. And that's not what Jesus says. That's not what he says. He says that he is enough for all of it. He says that we can find our redemption and our rescue in him, even in this area of our lives.
heard a sermon or two about lust before. Definitely if you're a man, maybe not if you're a woman. And you may know that there are Christian resources and courses for people who are struggling with sexual temptation. Um, most teenage boys will get some kind of talk about porn these days. Not so much the teenage girls. And I'm going to go over it again and say lust is not only a men's issue. And God is doing beautiful work in this community and I believe in this city of shaking the clutter and the dust off of what our culture has taught us that women are and what they look like and what they can be and what their authority can be. And I feel like as women there is this beautiful new breathing space yeah. that he is yeah. creating for us. Yeah. But I do want to speak to the women in the room and say that with that increased space and that increased authority, He's going to call us to a higher purity. And the beauty of that is that really that just means a greater dependence on him. But I, I, you know, I just, I think that lust for women looks so different that it doesn't look like culture portrays lust. And so, you know, watching that Jason Momoa movie a couple times, maybe... (laughs) Um, anyone who's on TikTok getting on like the hand porn side of TikTok, which is literally just men's hands, it looks different for us because our desires are different. Um, and God has wired us to be attracted to different things. But it doesn't mean that diving into series of romance novels with open doors that give all of the imaginative descriptions of things that you should only be enjoying with your spouse. It doesn't mean that women don't struggle with lust. And unfortunately for us, I think it's easier for us to hide it. I'm just reading a book. I'm just talking to a co-worker. And I just just want to say to you that it doesn't need to be hidden anymore. I'm actually going to say, if you feel like this is something that you are struggling with, we're going to receive a beautiful ministry from the Holy Spirit. And if you need more help, um, I've got a list of resources for men and women, and you can email the church email address, hello at signalchurch.coza, because this is not just something that we're going to run a men's seminar on. It's not just something that we're going to email them about and talk about at a men's breakfast, because Jesus wants to remove the shame. learning about how to teach kids about it and how 
somber and not naked, it's that awkward thing that is just surrounded. Surrounded and shrouded in shame. Because he's always been the one who sees our hearts. And Jesus' advice is great. Um, he can be a bit dramatic at times, which I kind of like. Um, because he's saying, you know, if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out. If your hand causes you to stumble, throw it away. He's not being literal because he was actually just telling us that our hearts are the problem, not our eyes and our hands. But I think his point is do something drastic. And. I think, I think this is one area that we really need to feel like just I'm just going to make a call. I'm just going to do something drastic. Um, I have some suggestions which I will get to later. I want to just not avoid the section at the end that talks about divorce because I know that that can be a very painful and controversial issue. Um, this is not actually the passage where Jesus is like, hey, let me teach my people about divorce. Um, he is actually speaking to a debate in the community at the time because the way that they had interpreted the Mosaic law was that men could just decide for whatever reason that their wives had done something undesirable um, and that they were going to divorce them. Women couldn't divorce men, but men could just decide that their wives had done something undesirable, be it a pot roast that he was tired of, or another woman that um, looked more desirable today. And she was left destitute. And so really what Jesus is doing when he brings divorce into this conversation about purity is saying that's not okay. He's saying actually when you just cast her aside, um, that you know you it's it's as bad as if you were the one who was committing adultery. And so he being who he is, he steps in and he and he stands up for women and he says, This is not this is not my way. I'm not gonna let this happen.
Little foxes are not really a problem in a field, but big foxes are going to come and steal the livestock. So she says, catch them little foxes. While it feels kind of okay, while it feels small and manageable, catch them in so that you don't get to the point where you are covered in shame and you feel like this is something that I can never say to anybody. We're gonna, we're gonna go back into ministry time soon. The, the two things that, if you feel like you need to like write something down, or if in three days time you're like, okay, but what do I do? The two things that you need to do are say something. So Nikki, there should be a slide with this. Okay, because shame hides in secret and it hides in the dark. I'm not saying you need to come up here and confess all your sins to the whole room, but say something. First of all, be honest with yourself about it. Confess to the Father what you are carrying. It's not going to surprise him. Find someone to tell and to talk to. And if you don't have that person, you can email and we will connect you with someone safe for that accountability. And speak truth. Uh, I love the example of Jesus when he is tempted to the wilderness. He doesn't just like summon up all of his strength and just grin and bear it. He just speaks truth. He just comes back at the enemy with scripture and with the word of God. And so ask God for scriptures. A couple that I love, Psalm 119, says, Turn my eyes away from vain things and revive me in your way, O God. <coughs> Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart of God, renew a right spirit within me. Psalm 34 verse 5 is one of my life verses. It says, those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy, and no shadow of shame will cover their faces. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow or shame will darken their faces. And that is my prayer for you, is that you will not leave this place with a shadow of shame. So the first thing is say something. The second thing is do something. I, I love a lot of the Old Testament prophets because um, God often asks them to do prophetic acts. And they do things, I, I call them, in, in my own mind, I call them silly prophets because they're like, tearing their clothes and throwing ash on themselves and throwing themselves into rivers. And it can seem a little bit dramatic. But again, it comes to Jesus saying, whatever is going to separate you from peace with God, you deal with it. And it doesn't matter how silly or dramatic it looks on the outside. Um, and I have actually, sometimes God asks me to do silly things like that too, just to keep me humble. Um, and I actually find it so helpful to do something with my body. Um, and so I'm, I'm just putting it out there to say, if you feel like you need to um, clear your bookshelf, if you feel like you need to block a couple of people from your cell phone, if you feel like you need to cut the internet at your house or go on social media for six months, it's not too much. You're not making too much of a big deal of this. This is a big deal. Because sin separates us from receiving the peace that comes of knowing Jesus. And this, this area of lust and and immorality is something that when we're listening to the world it can feel confusing because I am the last person who wants to trap you into some religious rules about what you can and cannot do 
you to purity so that you can live with Jesus. So say something and then do something. I'm going to ask them to come up and we are going to just spend some time receiving from the Spirit and thanking you for the sacrifice that made all of this possible. I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm just going to describe it. I'd love everyone to stand but I just want to this name and we I'm just going to I saw this beautiful picture this morning of what I'm kind of calling the shame exchange. And we're going to pray that song 51 together. And then before we, before you rush off, before your mind moves to the cold or to lunch or whatever comes next, I want you to ask the Father, what do you want to give me in exchange? He's going to take What do you want to give me in exchange? 